Hello. Welcome back to the Alexander Schmidt Podcast, episode 56, um, Contemporary Conversation 6, Westworld Season 2, Episode 6, Phase Space. Mr. Babcock, how are you? I'm fine, Mr. Schmidt. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, having finals week this week with the uh, students, so it's a fairly easy week for me. Lots of grading, but not not a lot of high-energy lecturing. I'm in the same boat. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. I I spent some time today... uh, Hitting a 28-mile bike ride. Oh, and, that sounds good. Yeah, and then hitting some stairs. I was inspired by your recent fitness exploits. Um, <laughs> uh, if the listeners don't know, Mr. Daniel Babcock is not only teacher extraordinaire and podcast um, analysis guru, but also a recent uh, half-marathon finisher on Saturday. <clears throat> yes, it was my third half-marathon and my best time yet. So that was exciting. Oh, wow. Wow, what was your time? Uh, one hour and 36 minutes. Uh, pretty impressive. Good use of a couple hours. Good use of a couple hours. All right. Well, let's dive in here. So I was looking up the word phase because I I I had um I had an inkling that it it went back to through the Latin to the Greek and from the word phasis or phanine, um, which means to make appear or to appear in a certain way. And often the word phase until even 1841 in Latin was used to indicate phases of the moon. And the moon at night indicates the time in nature when things grow and change without you noticing. And so that which appears one way might well be another, and this might also indicate a time of transformation. And so I was wondering how that might apply to the show that we watched, um, a phase space, like a time when things appear in some way, and perhaps are another. And the first thing that popped into my head was when we go inside what is called the cradle, like where a baby is, or a new creation, which is the hard line network of all the soul minds of the hosts that contains their original sort of code. So it's sort of like a genealogical tree of consciousness, or like an Yggdrasil, like a world tree, an Axis Mundi. And in there we found, well, who, who other than who we thought we might find distributed throughout the, the consciousnesses of the hosts, Dr. Robert Ford. Of course. And, and so as we have been suspecting all along, he in some way is present there. And so just to connect that to two things, the very first scene we have when we, when we, um, are watching this Westworld is that though we thought Arnold or Bernard was testing Dolores for consciousness in those scenes where they were sitting down and talking to each other, it turns out Dolores has been conducting those research sessions in order to test for the fidelity of Bernard or Arnold in the same way that um, the man in black was doing with uh, the, the Delos father-in-law. Um, and so, and just the third thing is that with the man in black meeting his daughter and not believing that she was actually his daughter, Emily, but rather a host, it's now sort of cast into doubt precisely where the line is between who we can and cannot doubt as host and um, Which is actual, everybody. Right. That's taken on sort of a Truman show aspect where we are no longer in the 
So as viewers, it's a very interesting moment, right? Because we are no longer in the omniscient know. We never knew everything, but we did know that we were the viewers in the, in the audience and the magician was on the stage. But now we're in uh, the position of not knowing the difference between the magician and the stage. And um, I don't know even how to complete the metaphor. We, things have gotten jumbled. We no yeah. longer even know. I mean, I think it's, it's appropriate even to question. I don't mean to be conspiracy theory about this, whether any of the people we know that we have seen in this park are hosts or humans. Um, because some could still be humans and this could all be a major simulation in order to still prove, you know, what could be happening or what the fallout of this could be in before production even happens or something like that. If they wanted to go full matrix, you might say. Well, that's interesting you mentioned that because I don't know what the realm that Bernard enters is when he puts the, when he puts his mind into the cradle. Like, I, is this supposed to be? I think it's like, supposed to be archetypal reality. Okay, that's where all the perfect stories are played out all the time and where the <clears throat> where the root stories are kept. So keeping with that tree metaphor. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Where where everything goes sort of according to plan because that's where the plan is stored. Yeah. And so like a you know like the the saying I think it's from Matthew that the kingdom of heaven is all around us but we don't see it that this yeah. is sort of the the ideal plan that's supposed to be played out in the actual West world, but you know, the devil gets into us. Some impulse takes over or, you know, usually a human will come in and shoot or, or, you know, make away with whatever character he or she wants to introduce chaos into the situation and thus ruin the ideal plan. So actually I do think this is even more heavenly now. Not only does it have the God, the father figure in there, who's now actually the redeemed son because he died in reality. And so he's like a Jesus son figure now too um and god the father which is very miltonian and interesting but also it's it's not contaminated with the humans who make all the evil choices who have um you know made a prison of have uh, made a prison of their own sins of actual west world which has now become a harbinger of death and is uh you know through the figure of dolores largely um become uh the grim reaper that is sowing exactly what they or is reaping what they sowed. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discover, I'm sure in coming episodes, but like, will if Bernard and Bernard slash Arnold, who, whatever he's supposed to be now and Ford interact with the host in that code, would that change their base code? So is this the way that Ford would be able to manipulate? As you say, well, so just something on that. I don't know about the base code idea, but that's a really great idea because we have seen that sort of thing happen, right? When Maeve had seen her stats and yet had not realized that she was still within a narrative written for her. But Ford was alive at that time, yeah. but he still could have pulled that sort of tricky thing because he's so smart, or at least we're led to believe that he's essentially omniscient, far more omniscient than we are. He knows the next play. We don't. And, um, but um, uh, 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 sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. Thing going on that diversion. What was it we were just saying? Oh, oh can, can he? Um, can oh, he yes. manipulate the code? Is that how he manipulates code? Is by interacting Something. with the source? 
I think her name is what is the name of the agent who is the coder who Bernard oh, makes gosh. through uh, shoot? I'll find oh, it real quick. You would be the one. El- Ellie, 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 Ellie. That sounds right. Right. And so she she um, makes comment that even though she can see what's happening in the cradle, that it appears to be improvising, as if it is conscious and yeah. uh, can react. And you know, I would say that's sort of like the joy of jazz, right? That you know that you have a conscious agent in front of you because they are riffing because they're improvising right in front of you. And that's sort of what we like about live shows, even if they're highly practiced, right? Like this person could mess up in front of us and it would be a big deal. Um, but uh, so improvisation seems to be indication of agency, which was another big word in this, uh, in this, um, this episode. Dolores' big word, agency, which comes from Latin word, ago, uh, ago, egre, eggy, actum. Um, which is where we get the word, uh, it means to go or to lead, but agens, like agent, um, but also actum, where we get the word act, and also actor. So, like, the idea is that, you know, your actions are how you per- are perceived, or how that all people are an actor, and insofar as you act a certain way, that is the way you are. Sort of Aristotelian uh, notion behind that word, I would say. Um, which is certainly true in Westworld, right? Because everybody has their different roles. And it seems as if, if this is a phase space, if this is a time of growth and transformation, everybody's roles are going to change again. Um, and I'm very interested to see exactly what that means because, well, is Bernard, is now, I mean, I don't really know how, to far, how far to go with this, but if Dolores is testing Bernard to be like Arnold and it appears as if in the most future time Bernard is not uh, recognized as a host but rather as a human was Dolores training him in order to have him as a mole within the organization is he uh, secretly working for her with or without his own knowledge Uh, uh, yeah I'm not sure how to take that I'm not sure if if this is Ford interacting through Dolores, if this is Dolores on her own, if this is before any of this happens, if this is after, I, I have no, no idea. It's, it, <clears throat> this episode was very disorienting. Um, uh, yes. And, you know, and it's funny that you say disorienting because I, um, that was something we got that through a shock in the narrative too. Even, I think we all knew the, the Japanese storyline and the Westworld storyline, those two sets of characters who are identical to each other, the, the Ronin Musashi and Akane and um, Hector and his band and uh, Maeve, we, we all knew that they couldn't stay together, even though it would have seemed so cool. They, they all have to occupy you know, their own specific dominance hierarchies where they're made to do it. And so, Except for, of course, the, the, the two dragon tattoo women who are sort of linked together now and they're like one person in a way yeah so they're interesting because they seem to be sort of a symbol symbol now of heaven and earth joined and so i think they might be doing something different so i think that's a really good note that you have there but um it seems like musashi and akane are staying at that lake in order to try and find peace and it's very interesting because i was talking with Wes yesterday about how's moving castle and that sort of the message seems to be in order to bring peace to the world, you have to first find inner peace. And that's actually 
you know, a religious idea in Islam in terms of the greater versus the lesser jihad in Taoism in riding the line between chaos and order. And also, of course, you know, in Buddhism and in Christianity, the idea is inner harmony. Um, even in yogic um, um, chakra ideas, having all the chakras aligned. So inner harmony doesn't seem to be a small, a small deal. Um, and so, my gosh, going off on that major amplification, that's always such a big deal. Uh, it never, it always leads me astray. Uh-huh. Um, what am I answering, Babcock? I oh, can't believe I did that. The uh, the question of why are the um, uh, why the two groups cannot be one, right? So why Musashi and Akane cannot cannot stay yes. with? So what they are going to do is stay and fight, but they're not they're they're staying to fight in order to protect something, in order to bind themselves to something, in order to be responsible for something, and thus bring out something beautiful within them um it's sort of like what it was represented and fighting for sakura her her daughter in order to protect instead of protecting her she's going to now protect something that symbolizes her and thus continue to embody the responsible and noble soul that a human can have when when they fight for something they love yeah it's interesting that that they they pair that scene where she says, we'll stay here. We'll fight for our home. If you don't have your home, then you don't have anything. And when Maeve returns home, she's affected by this, right? She, she wants to go off on her own. She says, I know this place. I don't need to, you know, she's smelling like she's surrounded by the sensory details of this place. And the home is, is the centering force for her. And I'm kind of wondering if because the daughter relationship has, is uh, undone for her. It's not the actual source of transcendence because the daughter has been rewritten into a new narrative with a new mother, that it's the, the true thing that she was looking for is the home. And that then makes me wonder, is that the key to what the hosts are looking for is a home? Like what, what is Dolores's end result? I don't know. I don't know what she's going for. Like wh- where, wh- where can these hosts be like where is the place where they could be free and be who they want to be? Um, it does seem like that place would have to be Westworld and there would have to be some agreement that they came to with the people that they could interact in some sort of free way. But yeah, that does seem to be the ultimate outcome of choice. One's individual choice to make a home, to bind oneself to a purpose and a place and thus the tragedy and the fate of that place too, right? Yeah. Because you only really fight for a place when your destiny is intertwined with it. Yeah. The idea of being, the captain goes down with the ship and why Hector, you know, goes down before Troy goes down. That um, you are only truly free when you freely bind yourself to something because then you are most able to express the person you really are. And that's, I think, why they call the Ronin scum who are unattached because they don't have a connection. Right. They have all the skill of the samurai, but they have none of the motivating factor, none of the noble aim of them. So like a, they're like a shadow version of the, or an empty, an empty uh, ghost uh, animated uh, armor set. Um, They're missing the, you know, like the soul 
or the the yeah the, the whole purpose. purpose yeah 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 right and so the the ultimate purpose seems to be sort of like god on the cross the the notion of jesus and i would say even in the hindu gods who come to an end as well that um in accepting limitation and death and the tragedy of existence you bring the best out of yourself but you you in accepting death you are motivated to live your life in the way most appropriate to bring out a death in line with the way you wished to live and the person you wish to be and end as um, because you can't get away from death. And even, you know, like even the God in Westworld has died and set the model forward. Yes. Um, and he's dispersed and he, his soul into the place in the, mo- in its most, perfect sense in its in its most abstract sense in its right and i think the most interesting thing about that and i'd say it's the major difference between say judaism and christianity is that then he's not just the story the dead tradition but the active um improviser the logos the consciousness which continues to change and bring meaning and purpose to things that it's um and and that's even something that he said earlier right that he he what what was the comment from the very first season when he's talking to the Delos agent? He said that he's not very, I think it was nostalgic and he was just about to tear down her, her childhood favorite restaurant where they oh, had I just remember that in her favorite seat. Well, well he made a comment suggesting that he'll change everything. He doesn't mind uh-huh. because he's sort of a demiurgic figure as well as a, a logos like figure at that point, like whatever he decides happens. Yeah. Um, which I would say is sort of the idea of the logos and that it cuts through the potential in order to uh, sort of construct through whittling away a reality. Um, hmm. It's interesting. He's, yeah. he's, he's like, a, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of Solon. I'm thinking of like Kyrgyz. I'm thinking of the, the, you know, the rule bringer, the law bringer who, who has to lead the people, but they, you know, the idea is that they, was it like Kyrgyz or Solon who said that the laws have to be written on the hearts of men or something like this? It was like Kyrgyz. Yeah. Uh, but, that's a very Spartan statement. Yeah. That, I was just going to say, that sounds like a Spartan thing to say. But, um, and so that's, you know, clearly what's going on here in that he is in the code, which is the, both the cerebrum and also seemingly the heart. If we look at the Akane Sakura storyline. Um, yeah, that was rad. But, but he's more than just on their hearts. Like he apparently now is an active, um, I don't know if living is the right word, but a, but a, a, a person, he's a, he's a lot. He exists more he's than a force. what's that. He's a force. He is a yeah. personality. And just something interesting is that the first scene we see Dolores in this episode, she's playing the piano and this is where we get new upgraded Teddy or perhaps, and mm-hmm. I do want to talk about a couple of things there where that he makes that little comment to her about how she's like, you never used to like this place. And he's like, I do now. You must fix that too. And it's like, ooh, mm-hmm. a little bit of resentment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of- and he also enters in and says, well, let's get moving, you know, and then shoots the guy without being told by Dolores. So he's still sort of disobedient, but now to the opposite extreme, which is interesting. Um, 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 but uh, now I'm thinking all about Teddy. I'm sorry. I oh, can't get uh, off Ford's um, animating so- purpose. Uh, Not only does Dolores play the piano, which is uh, something that we see happening 
in the intro. And then eventually we see the keys moving by themselves. And so then we also see Ford playing the piano when we're first introduced to him again. So we have that sort of triple theme. And I really thought it was interesting, the notion. Um, and a big question from the first season was, was the uh, piano um, animated? Was it, was it uh, just playing recordings or did it play itself? Was it conscious? And so in the intro, the fingers of the skeleton, sort of skeletal host come off the piano and it starts to play itself as if the harmony has taken over. Mm -hmm. I would say that seems to be the idea behind the demiurgic sort of um, Ford or Arnold moving away from the creation so that it can fill the space itself so that it can become conscious itself so they can play its own harmony so they can harmonize so they can improvise. Mm -hmm. And so that's what seems to be happening now. And I think that might be the connection between um, Dolores playing the piano or one of the connections between Dolores playing the piano and him playing the piano. I think it also draws sort of a, a line between them suggesting that there's perhaps a relationship that we haven't considered before because we haven't seen them interact a ton with each other. Uh, uh, Dolores seems to have been the pet project oh, of Arnold, yeah. but we don't. But he seemed to have you know, known that she was, spe I mean, you know, like he wrote, the narrative for her to be the one to start the revolution, right? He knew that Dolores was special for yeah, Arnold. And that was also 30, he had 30 years to think about Dolores killing Arnold, right? Right, 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 right. So, so uh, I mean, in Deregnum, he must have, uh, you know, uh, studied her. You know, we just haven't seen it. We just didn't get to see that. Um, right. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the player piano is interesting. It makes me think about something that might be too tangential, but um, so uh, you know Vladimir Nabokov, yes? Yes. Yeah, so uh, his most famous novel, Lolita, uh, there are these moments, uh, I remember watching a lecture talk about um, this novel. There are these moments in the novel where it feels like, and it made, um, this phrase makes, uh, the study of postmodern literature very clear to me, uh, or really any any modern literature in which you can sort of see the strings of the author, but that the there are these moments where the author pulses through the 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 um, fabric of fiction in in these key little moments. So, for example, in the novel uh, Lolita, the, it starts with a letter written by a psychologist or psychiatrist um, about this character Humbert Humbert and how he um you know is x y or z and it's supposed to be a forward and you're supposed to think that this is like a like a real person writing about the character humbert humbert but of course this is fault this is all part of nabokov's fiction so his fiction starts well before other writers begin and there's several right, other moments in the novel where where he's fine. yeah and exactly you you have to exist in a liminal space as a viewer as a reader because you, you don't know what's happening exactly. Is this an actual expert? Is this the, the writer pretending to be an expert and this is part of the narrative? Was I supposed to notice this? Correct. Is this just kind of laid out in here yeah. so that I kind of read and not even ask this question and just sort of feel uneasy and then just sort of, sort of have this information un, half unrecognized in the back of my head the entire time I'm reading this book? Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 then throughout you exactly he has set you up exactly in the way you just described that he's trying to get you to question the the very nature of 
the fiction itself rather than just the fiction of the story, right? So rather than questioning Humbert Humbert, who's a pedophile, you're, you should be questioning the, the relationship between you, the reader, and Nabokov, the author. So now I don't want to go, uh, you know, full-blown postmodern meta-narrative analysis for the writers of the show, but let's think about Ford as an author, and he's, he's placing his access points or his pulse marks or his fingerprints in various places. And I think that, that you're, what you're pointing to, the player piano, might be the key, the key point that the creators of the show are trying to draw is that the player piano, which is the thing that is played by this host, which in this episode now we're questioning who, maybe they're all hosts, it could be, uh, but then it begins to, as you say, play itself. The harmony plays itself. The story plays itself after the instigation. All it takes is the first sort of act of Dolores killing uh, Ford, and then the rest just sort of plays itself out like a player piano. The harmony plays itself out. That, that's right. I think that um, that's the idea of God resting on the seventh day, so that now with consciousness ascended into man and him making his own choices, now he can sort of guide his storyline, which is an idea even brought forward in uh, the show Vikings by Ragnar Lothbrok, who's mm-hmm. one of the great kings of the Viking people. But just to show that the idea uh, exists throughout cultures that, and, and different narratives that uh, the ultimate gift a human has is to choose his own fate. And boom, isn't that one of the big themes in this episode where Maeve says uh, she will not get she will not use her magic which is still working very much well uh, her, her capacity just to give orders through her mind that uh, will have people even kill their friends and then themselves that's working fine. But in this dominance dispute between Musashi who finally gets a legitimate crack at the um, his uh, betraying Lieutenant who is now captain um, well, he gets to disarm him literally and then <laughs> gets to give him the, I think it's called a Wakazashi or a Wazakashi. Uh, the, the something like that. I'm sure I'm embarrassing myself by trying. And Kari uh, Kari? Uh, the no no. Well, I was talking about the sort of knife oh, that's yes, been you're right, used you're right. yeah, 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 for yeah. um. Yeah, Sapuku. that is a yeah. Was a something like that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I was a Wachowski brothers, and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. So he gets to uh, have him cut off his own head, and so I guess that's even better than or to disembowel himself and then he cuts off his head. And I guess that's even better than making him eat his words, but is essentially the symbol for making somebody eat their words. <laughs> um, but she says that everybody gets a chance to choose their own fate or deserves to keeping her libertarian sort of ten- tendencies there or her ideas, maybe like wisdom embodied. Um, and so being, having been a maven or say a prostitute or a whore, she, she would also be embodied like Rahab and um, uh, by and also the Mary sort of Magdalene, and by some interpretations, Mary perspective of uh, you know even the lowest whore embodies nature, and is thus uh, you know a goddess or embodies the goddess. And Maeve, Maeve seems to have that wisdom, that uh, w- which is interesting because she she talks not only about choosing one's own fate, but then she's told later by the Ghost Nation. Um, uh, tribesmen but he seems to be a chieftain who we've seen before that their fates are linked yeah i was just gonna ask about that what is that your fate is hell well it's interesting because i it sounded like it was like an invitation like he wasn't going to just kill that's what i was thinking i was thinking he yeah exactly 
it didn't, it sounded like he might've had access to some information that she would have done well to, to glean from him, but that she was so terrified and traumatized from the last time things went down that she couldn't, that she was sort of out of her mind. So she With, so fear he says, you're right. He says, uh, hold on, I'm just pulling the scene up. He says, we are meant for the same path. And then she says, your path leads to hell. So she, but she's been in hell, right? If we, if we look back at the Dante map, she should sure. be out of hell now, but is, is hell the, the, is hell, um, you know, not to use it. Well, you can say, always return like, to hell. You can always yeah. return to hell by sending, essentially. Okay. If you consider uh, Dante's map sort of a map of living right. and how to be, insofar as you're following your narrative perfectly and embodying, you know, all the virtues and stuff, you're doing well. But each time you sin, boom, you're down in that hell for a certain amount of time. So it's her, um, sin, so it's her sin fearing the Lakota, the ghost well, here, Well, here I would, I would say... She's saying that his path leads to hell. Yeah. So it makes me wonder what she thinks he thought he was going to do with her or what she thinks, or what she thought he wanted to do. Mm. Um, because like, was she just angry at him from the last time she had seen him or did she actually believe that? Yeah, um, or does she because think, it seems like, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go on. Was, go on. Does she think, so when he says our paths are bound together, like we have this narrative together that is where I kill you, right? Like that's the narrative that's oh. been written. And he says our paths are bound together. You cannot break from it. And she's saying, no, no, no. I have broken from it because that is just hell. I'm out of hell. That's an, that's an interesting. So, But he, but he still doesn't seem just, aggressive when he says it. It's not a... No. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and leads to hell. It just makes me wonder where it is that he thought or she thought that he thought they would go. Yeah. Um, because it's not your path is hell. It's, it leads to hell. Yeah. And so I'm just not sure what she thought he had in mind. And he's the same guy that said to the, the yes. Hemsworth brother, um, you know, you're only, you, you only live as long as the last person who remembers you. So I think this right. ghost nation, uh, I think Ford is using them for something. We we gotta find out some more about them. We need to we need to send somebody into there, and uh, in, into their tribe and get some information out of them. Have a, you know, they they need to have some sort of awesome, well shot ritual. Yeah, and and <laughs> let us know some like wisdom of the gods. Yeah, you know, and if, if, if I were a writer, I'd have uh, I'd have um, the man in black's daughter spend some time with the ghost nation and. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's that. a. So that's a big question for me right now. And I, I think we might have to close on this because I know it's getting late for you over there is, is this Emily character, this man in the black hats or Edward's daughter, William, is she actually William. a daughter or Williams? Excuse me. I'm thinking of his actual name at Harris, um, the actor's name. Yeah. And um, is she his actual it, daughter so, or, or a host? Is she a host? And is he potentially a host? Because who got that information wrong when he was like, I remember you were afraid of the elephants. And she said, no, I love the elephants. It was mother. So yeah. Who failed, who failed the fidelity test yeah, there? Was he right? Or was she right? I didn't think about that. Now here's a quick non sequitur. I'm just realizing host is what they're called. Right. Yeah. So like a host as in like the soul could go into the body. Like the host could be the, 
like the the, yes. the mechanical but i never th- have thought of it i think i i guess now that that's a possibility i'm just thinking of them like that i used to think of them as hosts as like because they're the hosts because the guests were the ones who came into their house host is an interesting word too and like the guest host relationship is represent is represented by the word zinnia from which we get xenophobic i was actually going to um, ask you that earlier yeah, and so that's the most that's the holiest relationship predicted protected both by Hermes of travelers and Zeus of, of strangers. Course, yes. And uh, so holiest of holy. And in fact, there's a very similar um, myth. Myth. Um, I forget the names. I, I think I always for it's Balkis and Philemon. There we go. Who uh, they entertain uh, Hermes and Zeus, or Mercury and Jupiter in this case. And then are told, well, you know, that's good because your city, they didn't show us any hospitality. We're going to burn them to the ground tomorrow. You know, that's just like the Sodom and Gomorrah. I was going to say, that sounds a little familiar. It's the exact same story, right? And so, like, the idea is that hosts need to act right for civilization to work. And um, also, the heavenly host is that which casts down Satan's armies in uh, Milton. And um, even the idea of host um in in virology is the thing which you know provides the seed of life for the virus Mm -hmm. um yeah and and also there's when you are the host you are the governing force of uh the arrangement of an evening right yeah like you are at the head of the table you make all the things happen and so host strikes me as the soul Right, the thing under which all the passions are subsumed, um, ideally. But the guest um, goes into you, right? Like in the guest host relationship, the the guest enters the host's house. Um, uh, like if we were talking about, um, um, uh, what's it? Yes, they enter and then two become one. The idea is that the the distinction between stranger and friend is supposed to be dissolved when they come into your yeah. house. So they become one with you. Well, that definitely uh, sort of makes like, sense because the host cannot achieve consciousness without humans. Uh, because without humans, they would just be what they are in the ideal world in the cradle, right? They would, nobody would have induced enough suffering on correct. them for yeah. them to become conscious. Yeah. And so we were so brutal that we sped up the work of nature, yeah. so that they didn't just have to rely on tragedy. So since we can be so con- consciously brutal. We were like the ultimate tools of the evolution of consciousness. We're like we're conscious <laughs> consciousness steroids. <laughs> yeah, consciousness steroids. That's precisely what we did. Oh, you know, man. we sped up the process. It's like, man, we're some e- evil primates. It's like, well, we're the only evil primates, right? Yeah. Like, we're, we're the only creatures that can be good and evil. Yeah. And it's like, we should remember what Ford said about the fact that we can be good and maybe not. I mean, definitely see the evil within ourselves. Um, and I think Westworld's supposed to help us with that, right? Yeah. That it's like, man, look at us all being like, kill those hosts. They don't have rights. You know, do whatever you want. Westworld sounds fun. And it's like Westworld's, you know, a major commentary on it. It's like, well, would that trap you within a prison of your own sins, thinking that way? And, you know, you're watching this representation of this, and that's sort of like the same thing, but not as fun. And you're not, as, you know, even rich enough to get into a place like that. And so it's like, maybe... Maybe the process by which the hosts come to consciousness through enduring suffering induced by man, well, 
maybe you're supposed to endure the suffering necessary to recognize your own limitations and your own uh, sort of vicious and behaviors where, where you fell beneath the character you would wish to embody in a story where you are the sole author of your fate. Sometimes a little pain goes a long way. Yeah, and I mean, especially if it's like, who's going to save you? You know, day seven, it's you. You know? Yeah. And that's it, that strikes me as like why football is played on Sunday too. It's like, who's, <laughs> who's going to win it? You know, it's got to be you. And it's like, Good. Well, then you have ultimate responsibility for your life. No ideology, no, you know, no group identification will ever set you up again after you realize that. You have to boldly go where no one has gone before. You have to take the path less traveled. Um, you have to go out beyond the group in order to bring them towards you because now you're poof, conscious. And, well, you know. And you're your own person. Now, what? Um, so, in the is it Emily? What is the man in black's daughter's name? I think it's Emily. Yes, Emily. Uh, so he says. So I found this interesting that uh, you know she comes up to him and says, "Okay, my goal is to get you to come out, and that will be a step in the right direction to try to try to rebuild our relationship." Right. And you know, as a viewer, knowing what. Ford is trying to say in his in his sort of cryptic way is that this is the solution to the door, right? The way forward is the way backwards. You need to uh, right. you need to rebuild relationships with actual people. You need to um, with actual people with, with yeah. human people. That was our original idea. Yeah, that was our idea last week. Yeah, that's like if can he beat this game and win the meta game? Yeah. But he seems to, think to be it's thinking not the answer. Yeah. That this is just this is just like a coward's way out or just a diversion put out there by Ford. Whereas perhaps so I'm 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 still like 50-50 on that, I would say. I don't know whether he is just deluded by the game at this point and is missing what is real. I don't know whether he himself is a host. So I guess I'm 33, 33, 33. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that second interpretation is weaker. And I don't know whether she's a host, <clears throat> and that really was supposed to be a test for him. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Sort of like in Total Recall. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> when um, Arnold's character is told, "Hey, this is a, a delusional fantasy, and you're having an episode, and but then he embraces we need to it, come right? out." Yeah. Right, but then he embraces it, and he still becomes the hero. And so it seems like it seems like that had been a diversion or a diversionary tactic. And so maybe, maybe the man in black was right, but well, Ed Harris really showed some range of acting there, you know, him saying, asking if they could be square. I thought, I thought we were about to lose the man in black and I was oh so happy to see him just get immediately back to his treacherous ways yeah. and just abandon her. There. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, you know, I, I, I was thinking if, if he does that, then obviously the next scene is going to be one of them is going to die, of course. Right. Um, yeah, right or or right. you're gonna learn right exactly what you say that she's really just a host and he's been tricked again, but his abandoning of her again just makes me wonder what you know I, I don't know I don't know like that that to me was the end of the arc right that's the tradi- traditionally that would be the like the melodrama melodrama would be then he goes with his daughter or she dies you know one of the two but they just totally subverted that and I have no idea what to expect next. 
it's interesting too because it's like just as Maeve is coming closer to her daughter and doing everything she can to get to her and just as uh, Akane is showing like the utmost sadness at losing her daughter <sighs> the man in black is just all too quick to dismiss the existence yeah. of his daughter and ride off away from her so it, it is as if he has not learned the major a major lesson that even the hosts have become have begun to really learn which um, is the binding of the father and or the child and the parents which is that yes <clears throat> that some things are worth dying for yeah. and binding your fate to well and um okay I think he thinks something is worth dying for but I think that thing but he doesn't know what it is correct. he doesn't know yeah. that it's actually like pre-packaged in the whole human deal. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That's you know, a good way of saying it. Kids. Yeah. Um, and that I do think, at least right now, I'm tilting towards he he might have to suffer some serious emotional suffering before he dies, uh, to really have the game, because the ultimate game is one of the ultimate games is between him and Robert, and ultimately he needs to see in himself what Robert has seen in him the whole time, which has enabled Robert to perfectly or to make narratives so good that he stayed enthralled with them for over 30 years. Right? Yeah. Robert must have perfect insight into this guy's character to have kept him uh, on the hook, it, which suggests also the idea of, you know, the consciousness within you, the logos or the Jesus in your heart, as Paul would say, that which sees everything you do and takes account uh, you can't lie to yourself. And um, <clears throat> sorry, something in my throat. So I'm going to have to listen for a while oh. after this and <laughs> maybe clear it. But um, <clears throat> sorry, not lecturing as much today. So it's strain on my voice. <clears throat> um, so um, no, well, so, no, it's not. So, so, uh, yeah, no. Well, um, so the, the man in black's uh, pursuit of the door seems to be something that that his 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 desire for whatever his consciousness would be whatever his his perfect self that he's I, looking I think for it's, yeah it, it's po- go ahead potentially misguided because it's the maze is within for him. right i i agree he just needs it, to look to his own choices yeah it seems like it's misguided but but i i do what makes me think it's misguided is the idea that he says that that you're just a thing or you're not a thing you're a mirror you're a reflection so he knows that it's something about himself and he doesn't see the value in another person being that reflection. So he didn't, he, he was angry about Dolores and, and what she became for him. He's angry about his child, which is also a reflection, which is also a mirror. Uh, he's angry that she's reflecting back at him what he is. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know what the door could be for him. I, I'm thinking potentially it's, if we saw him t- testing off this theory of um, Logan becoming immortal through the hosts, is he trying to basically achieve what Ford has achieved? And is that going to be his door? Is he going to try to like take his brain out of his head? Um, and then he will maybe have to make a choice kind of like in um, what was the, that episode of black mirror where the, the, the two women had started a relationship in that like, immortal afterlife um san san uh yeah san uh yeah what is it called san andreas san bernardino san Uh, it was san something it's a party town yeah exactly and so i'm wondering if he will be forced with you know uh, like we said before we're not really interested in making predict plot predictions but that seems to be something that he's looking for 
Um, I would say maybe even one of those creepy like Beetlejuice or Bill and Ted-esque sort of or um, Scrooge, uh, a Christmas tale sort of uh, retrospectives set up, like potentially a situation that was terrible, like where he has to relive something Mm -hmm. like like kill, suicide or killing Maeve's, or Maeve's like child or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, something something set up where he's put in a situation where he has to change a decision now that he made in the past mm-hmm. or recognize something he did or recognize that every terrible thing he's ever done in the park actually rubbed off on him and led to him becoming a terrible person in the world and that he's actually, even though he's at the head of some foundation that saves people's lives, he's like destroyed everybody's lives around him yeah. including the being such a force for evil that he has helped to bring several hosts to consciousness <laughs> himself through his deeds, uh, through his utter malevolence. Uh, yeah. And thus he's been the devil to Robert Ford's God, the father. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Neither had I. And that is actually precisely what the function of the devil is in Milton's paradise. Is to bring to consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, that he brings about a temptation that gets Eve to come to consciousness, which gets Adam to come to consciousness, so that they are free to make their own choices because choices only matter. This is actually the conclusion that Maps of Meaning comes to, like in page 455 out of 469 by Peterson, that choices only matter if good and evil are real. And then you're utterly responsible for everything you do. And, well, that's what the man in black has well, he's going to have to chew on that. <laughs> uh, the, oh, man. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to chew on. The, um, that's quite a lot to chew on, right? And, you know, that is actually literally what Satan is doing. Chewing on, the bottom exactly, of right, yeah. Now. I was just going to say. Three tra- traders, yeah. So he basically. And so that is what we call it. You know, we're chewing on some. We're some eating at us, yeah. right? Or you can't digest. Milton actually was all about digesting. In fact, thought that he went blind due to not digesting something. Right, as if oh, really? he didn't digest night. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Funny. I didn't know that. There was a theory of vapors coming yeah, up uh-huh. from the stomach. And if you think about the idea of, like, you know, mental indigestion, too, he had some ideas like wanting, like, uh, believing that kings could be legally uh, killed. Uh, he wrote in a regicide pamphlet, and he's one of the first people ever to publicly declare that sort of thing after one of the first ever. Uh, killings of a king and so he you know he might have thought that that was divine retribution <laughs> against him and i don't mean to laugh at that because i mean imagine that you wrote something like that that was so novel and terrible at the same and time you went probably blind. everybody and then you went blind yeah. right exactly yeah it's like yeah you know not such a you know that's like getting struck by thunder in the eyes and <laughs> kind of makes sense and you know a lot of the prophets in the greek tradition you know like teresius and um teresius and let me see um who else am i thinking of phineas and of course homer uh we're all blind and so you know that that fact wasn't lost on him no i don't think so um, but what's interesting is that <clears throat> like oedipus you had another blind one um and also polyphemus who goes blind because of that which he doesn't see. I think the man in black is going to have to endure some Oedipal level suffering. Mm-hmm. So it's good that he has this Antigone figure. 
beneath him because perhaps he'll be suffering quite a bit too because they'll both end up being human but totally inhuman. Oh man, that's good. Actions. He'll have to make himself blind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he has been blind. He has been blind. Well, so yeah, course. he's going to have to like maybe literally go blind. Yeah. No, that would be well. that would be good. Now he, um, his daughter says, "I shouldn't have said that her death was your fault." So that's that might have been what made him think she was a host. Yeah, because, because that's a self-reflective moment. Like yeah. it, maybe that's something that would have been too good for him to believe would be true. Yeah, because but it he, also makes me wonder what you know. She, she says that you know my mother. She's the one who saw through you. She always knew the truth about you. She didn't. She always knew there was a darkness to you. Um, uh, but but he's not the reason she killed herself. So Well, and something interesting is in the first season when he was first captured by the uh, host with the crown of thorns, the like best second or third guy. Uh, she's always saying gnarly stuff like, Oh, we'll just tie them between the trains. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he says that what is her name? You know, he, he drove his wife crazy until she committed suicide. He was telling that to Lazo whose name I always forget his actual name, just his function. Lawrence? Lawrence, yes, his traveling companion. Yeah. I'm like one of the hosts forgetting the people yeah. I know so well now. Soon I won't know who you are, Mr. Babcock. <laughs> and, uh, or whoever, know, you know, you can't step in the same river twice. Yeah, and, so, um, and so he was saying that he was so cold and distant that his wife committed suicide, and he seemed to trace the causality to himself. And I wonder if that's because of something uh, if that's because of what his daughter Emily said to him and since he had said that in the Westworld environment Ford had gotten access to that information mm-hmm. and had then produced a host that could forgive him for that mm-hmm. so that he could start to learn his ultimate lesson yeah. um maybe i don't know i don't know to be to be determined well, to be determined and Something I want to talk about next time is um, the actual picture of the maze. I've been looking at that lately because that oh, is yeah, good. When, we, when we post this on YouTube, um, it is the image we have. And it does have three ways to finish, which get increasingly long. And one kind of gets you up near the groin area. One gets you sort of towards the heart area. And the hardest one is to get to the head by the pointing finger, the finger that points at its own head, suggesting that like, that there are sort of three levels of consciousness, like the tripartite soul uh-huh. of, of, of Plato, or even like the tripartite division of the psyche uh, for um, Freud, the id, the ego, and the superego. The id being the instincts, the ego being the conscious mind, and the superego being the sort of authoritative structure that you receive through the parent and the society, the patriarchal structure, as it would be called. Um, and um, so talking about Freud is getting me off track again here. Uh, You want to talk about the the maze? So the the hardest path or the longest path to consciousness seems to be the one to develop the logos, but also the one that you precisely are in control of making happen yourself. That only you can bring about that awakening Um, that nothing else can And that's sort of interesting too, because I, I, everybody has sort of a reproductive awakening, I would say, 
like <clears throat> women in a more extreme way than a man and represented by the myth of Persephone being taken up by the, uh, you know, the Hades from the earth while she's just pulling daisies. It just happens for women one day, all of a sudden, you know, they, they can menstruate and there it is. They're a woman. Um, men have sort of a, not a similar awakening, but all of a sudden they can reproduce too. And so that's like sort of a first realization of new, forces that are going to act on your consciousness essentially forever and then sort of the the heart one well I, I wonder if that's sort of you know whenever you have something to care about but you don't need to understand why you care about things in order to be responsible for them <clears throat> and that might be the highest level that most people can get to <clears throat> but the the third one is My. one that you don't naturally get to you have to enact it embody it in order to get there you have to um you have to make the choice to be conscious it can't just happen to you it doesn't just rain on you and then you're wet you have to choose to look at the heavens and realize what's happening right you don't just and look you don't just have a child and you have a feeling right right you you and you don't just look at the heavens either you look at the hell yeah and you and you look at your own suffering and that in that suffering in the alchemists that Carl Jung and Peterson talk about would say, when you look in the feces, <clears throat> that which appears to have the least amount of worth and is grossest and you least want to be near because it disgusts you. And those are your own actions. Well, when you look in those, you derive the gold, the um, information that you refuse to acknowledge. It can help you have a complete perspective on your personality can actually free you from those evil behaviors is you can see yourself as sort of a yin yang, <clears throat> as both good and evil. As um, and in seeing that about yourself, you can actually make choices in real time about whether you wish to do good or evil because you're an actual agent of one or the other because of your consciousness. <clears throat> very that's good. why I think each of these characters is going to be, well, their goal is going to look very different, structurally potentially very similar. Yeah. Well, the archetype, like, you know, we've entered into the, into the realm of the archetypes. So they're, they're just That's right. from the archetypes. Yeah. 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 And I think we're actually doing really good work on the archetypes. And I was thinking about what a conversation like this actually is. And it seems to be an amplification of images. It's sort of like what a literary lecture is, as opposed to a philosophical lecture. It's not just syllogizing. We're amplifying. We're associating ideas mm -hmm. with each other, which, which is, of course, how people learn and how they learn language. And so perhaps the most effective possible way to lecture um, and to speak. But um, <laughs> because, I mean, what, I mean, we're not just giving outlines to each other when we have a conversation, right? No. There's life to it. And it, it, there's like sort of a golden snitch, which we follow what's interesting and what grabs our attention. And so we get off on tangents. And it's funny because like early first couple of years, teachers like are taught that's sort of a flaw but ultimately I think that's where the real information is. It's like our attention doesn't guide. It's as if it guides itself because I certainly don't guide it. I mean, it's like we're holding a Ouija board together. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, we're like thinking the exact same thing because the situation, we just represent it with the same images in our mind, which shows that we are symbolic creatures that can represent the same situation with even the same symbols. And like, that's the sort of creature we are. Yeah. And that's funky. That's funky. <clears throat>
And, you know, that seems to be what the ultimate message of Aladdin is, right? Like, what do you get out of that genie's lamp in the very beginning? You get an awesome story. Boom. And that's the greatest gift of the genie, and that's the greatest gift that we have, that we can share stories and thus information without direct experience of events. And in a show like this, we can even look into the structure of stories and thus the structure of ourselves and our own psyches. Yeah. Um, it is like looking at, is- looking at the architecture of the human soul. Really That's what right. This is about. And uh, I, I, hopefully with a salubrious effect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and an ennobling effect. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, well, this could be improved some, so let's set about doing that. <laughs> let's be, let's, let's try to be a little more forward and a little less man in black. <laughs> yeah, precisely, precisely. Uh, yeah, you know, I, it's a quote of the Buddha, so says Jung that uh, he said in some apocryphal work, if you're going to sin, at least sin consciously. And so that's something <laughs> the man in black's going to have to do. Um, he's going to have to see himself for what he is. And perhaps all of us are, yeah. and that's judgment. Well, all right, Mr. Babcock? Should we wrap up another episode? Let's wrap up another episode. It's been wonderful having you. You as well. All right. Well, until next week. All right. Until next week, we'll find out what's in the cradle. Boom. All right. From the cradle to the grave. Till next time.